right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ego Check with the IDM. I'm your host, Michael Mallon. And today I'm joined by Matt Henderson. He's a designer with Battle Mats. And they were kind enough to send me a review copy of the giant book of Battle Mats here a few weeks ago. And I took it over to my gaming group and showed it to them. And everyone was fawning over it for uh, a good 10 minutes. Everyone was really excited about it. So I'm eager to speak with him about the design process, about this product, and some of the other things they have to offer. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So how long has Battlemats been in existence? I saw you've done, I think, a Kickstarter or two over the last few years. How did this all get started? Yeah, so our first Kickstarter, I think, was 2017, um, and we've existed as Battlemats. So Loki Battlemats is uh, the main title we use. Um, 2015, I think, uh, we started with um, PVC mats for X-Wing and Warhammer and uh, similar sort of things. Uh, we then branched into the sort of neoprene gaming mats, and the first Kickstarter took us into RPG mats. So I tend to do a fair bit of RPG, and yeah, just smaller mats for encounters and the like. And the first Kickstarter, I think we ended up with the best part of 100 different designs, and they were all produced in PVC. Uh, we did a second Kickstarter, which is a similar sort of thing, so um, a limited run of uh, PVC mats. And, yeah, we've just ended up with quite a big stockpile of images, uh, which is where we uh, came to the uh, the books from. I think for me, when I started writing about role-playing games, it was back in 2011, and I felt like I just wasn't able to read the type of content I wanted to read, so I just I started to make it myself. And I wonder if a, a similar prompt got you all started in making some products that you just weren't able to find. What was the motivation to get this going? Uh, it's, it's a tricky one, I think. Um, I think we started with simple terrain, mm -hmm. um, but it, it got to the point where um, I was wanting to do more interesting and involved things. So, you know, um, dungeons and, you know, interesting outside layouts and things. And yeah, I've, <laughs> my my own games tend to have um, bespoke mats quite often. So yeah, like uh, we did an airship campaign um, about a year ago, okay, and that had all manner of different um, floor plans and layouts, and ended up doing tokens specially for it. And that great. And what are some of the systems that you've played the most over the years? So I, the main system I tend to use is a bespoke one. Um, me and a couple of friends. Did our own system, I don't know, best part of like 10 or 15 years ago. We've tended to use that quite a lot. D&D um, still gets played a fair amount. And some of the other ones we've done recently is things like uh, Blades in the Dark and some of the uh, Powered by the Apocalypse style sort of stuff, more as one or two session shots. Okay. And you mentioned X-Wing, and I think one of the Kickstarters was specifically for some sci-fi battle mats. Yes, that one... That was one of the neoprene mats ones, I think. Uh, we, we've done sci-fi in the book ranges and things as well. Okay. So um, we did war game mats, which are neoprene double-sided ones, and they were terrain on one side, stars on the other. Because um, there was a lot of double-sided uh, mats coming out around that sort of time, but they were all terrain, terrain, star, star. And it seemed like a good idea to do one which 
there's one of each. So, you know, if you're playing Legion and X-Wing, for example, you've got one map that can do both. Nice. And, and so I got the book of battle mats, which I, a giant book of battle mats, which I'm kind of paging through as we're, we're talking here. So for me, with, with the games I've played, I know I have a, a dry erase mat that, that I use from time to time, which is, you know, very flexible and I can draw whatever I need on there. And then there's also these options where you have um, pages or boards or something where it has a image on there and you can use that, but you, you can't really write on it because it would damage it. So the nice thing about this giant book of battle maps is that it, you can do both. So you have this really um, interesting image on there, whether it's a, you know, a graveyard or a temple or a dungeon. But if you wanted to use a dry erase marker on it, you could go ahead and do that. And then it wipes off, which I haven't seen that before. So how did you come up with that idea and execute it? So I think it just evolved. So we started okay. with the PVC, PVC mats, um, okay. which are like some of the um, the Chessex mats are in uh, PVC vinyl. Mm -hmm. So you can use wet erase markers, but you can't use dry wipe on them. So we had lots and lots of people asking us what type of markers you could use. We tended to have to like do um, care sheets for the PVC just so people use the right type because you can get dry wipe off, but it's a lot more effort on a vinyl uh, than a laminated mat. So I don't know, we, we started looking at a fair few different um, formats. So there's like um, foam card, tiles, you know, like even just normal sort of spine books. But there were either things that already existed or things that didn't work for portability or laying flat or wiping clean. Mm -hmm. And then we came across the calendar style spine. So the, um, the metal spine um, that you've got on the book there. Yes. And. That allowed us to use relatively thick pages, but much thinner than card. And because they're bound together, you still end up with a good solid unit that you can open at any page. It'll lay flat. You can even go 360 round the spine. So if you need both pages to be exactly the same height, you can distribute the pages across. Uh, it also means you can fold it in half. And this led to, you know, uh, the first one, which was the Big Book of Battle Mats, which was an A4 size, which is about um, 8 inch by 12, approximately. Okay. And the feedback we had from that was that bigger would be better. So we um, did the Kickstarter in, I think it was 2018. So the first book we did was out April 2018. We did a Kickstarter slightly later that year and funded the giant books and a sci-fi range as well. And they've been moving into retail since that Kickstarter. Nice. And I'm just, I have it open here in front of me. So try to describe it for the listeners. So on the left-hand side, there is a map of, I guess what I call a storehouse on one of the pages. There's some crates. Uh, there's two, two, three entrances, I should say. And you could just use that one half of the book as a map but if you open up the other page and lay it out flat then the other half of the page comes out to uh, a dock area and it all connects so you could all use it as one map uh, it's really uh, very sharp it's very very uh clean looking um, and it seems like it would be a really useful tool 
for for DMs out there in any number of settings. So I know one of the big D and D campaigns out there lately is Salt Marsh, and there's a lot of pirates and ships and things like that. So it seems like this dock would be appropriate appropriate there. Uh, like I mentioned, there's temples, there's all kinds of interesting settings, uh, including this one room that has a bunch of runes on the on the floor. It looks like it would be a, a perfect trap room to show to your group if you were so inclined. Um, so what were, I guess, for you, the inspiration for the different images to include in this book? So initially, some of these were... Th- Things that we already did in the PVC range. Okay. So some of the um, out, outdoor sort of textures and things were pre-existing. And, uh, yeah, I, I suppose it's just having a feel for what you might use in the game. Uh, one of the keys is to try and stay as generic and reusable as you can mm-hmm. whilst trying to, trying to still leave them, you know, with points of interest. So we we made a decision not to really put much in the way of furniture and things into too many of the maps because okay. otherwise it'll always be the same scene. Right. You tend to uh, find that if you come across and it's that particular layout and that's a bedroom and that's a you know a sitting room, it, it's hard to use it for anything else. And that's the nice thing about being able to draw on it that I, you could always add those things, or if you do have little pieces of terrain, you could always add it to to the map. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've tended to use them with um, things like uh, the Mantic Terrain Crate work very nicely, so 3D scenery. Um, we've done before now um, tokens, so same sort of um, stock as the uh, pages laminated, um, just cut up and into tokens. And on the most recent Kickstarter, we've also now done um, static cling vinyls, so they're not stickers because there's no actual adhesion on them, but they peel onto the laminated surface and you just not even peel them, but to sort of like break the seal and they come off again. Okay. And I also believe that on the website, there's some, some digital versions of this as well. If you wanted to run it on a tablet or display it on a screen, it, that's available as well. It is. Yeah. All of our digital at the moment we do through drive through RPG. Okay. And, and I think we've got the best part of about 300 titles on there for different maps and sizes of maps and things. Okay. And what program do you use to design all this? You mentioned that you're the designer. So how, how do you go about creating these? Uh, it's pretty much all Photoshop. Okay. And and how long does it take you to, to come up with one of these maps? I guess it varies. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it varies. Um it can take a long time if there's one with a lot of detail or a lot of um, small items. Um, some of the stuff I'm working on at the minute involves cobblestones. And to avoid too many repeating patterns, I quite like to draw a lot of the things like the cobblestones out. But it, it's time-consuming. And in terms of the design, uh, the artistic work, what's your background in terms of, of training for, for this? Or is it just something you picked up? Uh, it's it's mainly sort of picked up. I mean, I did do um, some f- Photoshop work uh, back in the 90s, I think it was. Okay. Um, so <laughs> technically, yes, I did some training on it, but it was a, a long time ago. I've, I've mainly learned from uh, dabbling ever since. Nice. And I'm curious because over the last, it would seem 10 years, I think, from my perspective, when 
fourth edition D&D really started to take off, and maybe even before then, but I, I had taken a break from D&D for a while. But certainly with fourth edition, terrain seemed to become a really big deal, just with the way the rules were structured. Um, you really needed minis to, to make the combat in that game work. And things, at least in the groups that I were a part of, really gravitated toward Dwarven Forge sets or other types of terrain where you could build up an encounter. It was a lot of a wow factor with, with the groups. Combat took a really long time, but it was enjoyable. And now, over the years, it seems like with 5th edition and some other games, it's gone into more of a theater of the mind where you don't need that tactile miniature stuff as much. Certainly, it's still still in the D&D and other games. What has been your thought process as that's gone on over time, as games have kind of evolved tabletop from really a focus on minis and now maybe less so, especially with streaming, because there's a lot of people who are just playing these games for an audience and the, the minis and the terrain aren't nearly as important, perhaps. Uh, just wondering your thoughts about that over time. I think it comes down to practicality. Um, depends on the number of players, the number of like um, you know other um, characters involved in a in a particular situation, and how detailed you want to make that combat. Because you can ab- abstract it to whatever degree you like, but if you've got <laughs> you know five or six players and there's the best part of ten or twenty enemies around the place, if you want to really know what's happening, then yeah, you do need to either get a bit of paper out and uh, start quickly noting down locations, or use minis, or even even just you know like um, a dry wipe with the pen to sort of show where they are, and. Uh, I tend to mix and match in my games, I think. Um, sometimes, yeah, like you, you won't get out a map for a particular encounter. But as soon as um, things start to get a bit more complicated, a bit more tactical, I know definitely the couple of groups I play with, they, they prefer to move to minis or maps when it's a complex fight. Sure, sure. And how often do you get to play? Do you, are you typically a player? Do you typically run the game? Um, quite often I run. Uh, recently I've got a chance to do a bit more playing. Um, I think mainly because I've got a lot of other things going on at the minute and I'm trying to take a bit of a back seat from uh, running games. Okay. Just because it, it, it means there's no prep time, so I get more time for uh, working on other things. And plus it's also fun to play for a change. Yes, absolutely. I always think that's a good good suggestion for people who are maybe struggling running games or being motivated. Just find a group that you can play with or tell someone else to run a game for a change. Um, in terms of running the game with, with these mats and the products that um, you're putting out, how do you suggest people use them? What are what are some of the strategies that you use or that you've heard people uh, use that have been really uh, helpful? I suppose the, the key thing is don't limit your game to the maps you've got available. But having said that, there's enough generic in there, including uh, blank maps, that you'll be able to find something. And they're especially useful when your characters, you know, go sideways. You've got something planned for them. Right. They don't do it. And, you know, they've, they've headed, you know, like... Um, so that happens in your group, Into too. a cave or... Oh, I can't imagine any... <laughs> I don't think anyone can railroad players enough to stop them doing things you don't want them to do. Well, how do you, how do you I think it's the nature, 
Um, you tend to let them. I tend to do sandbox um, games more than most, um, okay. so tend not to do linear sort of module types too often. So just by the nature of doing a sandbox, they, they can go and do whatever they want to do. Uh, if you've put consequences in for it, if there are other things happening in the game world that they're meant to be looking after, but they've, you know, gone on a bit of a, uh, a side quest, then, you know, the enemies got, might get more powerful, they might lose some of their allies, that sort of thing. I just wanted to take a quick break to talk about a product that I'm very excited about and I hope you all check out. Are the dice trays available by Woodcraft by us? This is a company that is run by one of my fellow players in my Dungeons and Dragons games, and he and his father are creating handcrafted, uh, beautiful wooden dice trays. I've been able to uh, get in on the ground floor with these. I've uh, helped Kevin, the gentleman who is making these. Uh, play test them so to speak uh, we've been playing around with them during our games over the last few months and he has kind of perfected his design along with his father and the trays use exotic hardwoods uh, like purple heart and black walnut and are made with a top channel that is a great place to set dice that are not in play i've been tweeting out some photos of these dice trays in action over the last few months during our gaming sessions and people have been pretty excited about them and now they are available for purchase the bottom of the dice tray has a layer of cork to minimize dice bounce and can be topped with the felt color of your choice. Uh, that can all be customized on their website at woodcraftbyus.com. Once again, that's woodcraftbyus.com. Yeah, I think the nice thing about this book is it's 62 pages of, of battle maps, so there's any number of you know, backgrounds, different types of terrain, or, or even blank pages that you can fill in the fill in the blanks if your group does go off on a tangent somewhere, which is kind of typically what happens. So there's, you know, pages with just a river and a bridge, or just grassland, or like I said, there's an oasis, there's a desert, there's kind of these blank dungeon halls, or just... Uh, also, there's just what the normal uh, Chessex map would look like, and you could draw in whatever's there and then erase it. Um, so it, it does seem very flexible for for groups out there. Because like you said, I think a lot of most all players, groups of players, tend to go in directions that the person running the game is not expecting. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be that side NPC that, you know, is uh, just a random generated name and a title, and then suddenly they want to know everything about them and uh, go and help them on whatever they're doing. Well, I know a big topic for a lot of folks is is preparing games and certainly the maps, terrain, that, that's one aspect of it. What, when you're getting ready for a session that you're going to be running, what what's your process? How do you feel prepared, or do you tend to wing it, or what's the combination there? Uh, a bit of a mix, I think. Uh, I've done quite a few games where we've had um, dual DMs, so we've, we've had two people running. Oh, okay. Uh, mainly, mainly because everyone, um, you know, they all have jobs, they all have families. It's trickier to always have the same group together. So we quite often run with two people running a game. That way, if someone's not available to run it, the other person can take over. And it helps with prep if you've got two people running it. 
uh, because you'll get together at some point, either over Skype or, you know, if possible in person, and discuss the next couple of bits. And it it's quite nice as a um, as a DM to have someone to bounce those ideas off who's allowed to know the story in the background. And if that person's not DMing, are they playing or they're not playing? Uh, tend to do a mix because quite often um, we'll do two DMs at the table. Okay. And we quite often have um, large groups, so you can then split the parties. You can do combat where, you know, like um, one person will deal with half the table, the other will deal with the other half, and, you know, you just call out whether it's initiative segments or something like that. And, yeah, it just helps uh, corral and manage a larger group of players. Interesting. What really helps you about the co-DMing or dual DMing? Uh, I think in part it's you know if, if you're not able to make a session you don't let down a whole group of people yeah you because know, there's someone else there that will uh, sure. then go and take that on nice yeah, and I, yeah it's it's kind of nice plot, plotting with someone else is kind of good yeah I had written an article about that a couple of years ago I had was starting out a new campaign and wanted to create this other almost rival group of NPCs that would interact with the players and uh, a friend of mine had just sort of bounced ideas. We were going back and forth, and then he came up with all these excellent NPCs that I used in the session, and it was just awesome to have somebody else to share that load with, to kind of help me. He didn't help DM the game, but just even throwing those ideas at somebody and getting feedback was incredibly useful. So I think a good suggestion for any DM out there is to try to spread that responsibility around or, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help from people. Yeah, and there's a lot of good collaboration tools as well. I mean, even just, you know, go Google Drive, get a couple of um, shared documents um, going, and you can just type through it for a day. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder for the, the Loki Battle Mats, what are, what are some of the things on the horizon? What are some of the other products that you're thinking about or working on? I'll probably best start from the beginning because we've got the uh, the big book about mats was the first one we did uh, last year. Uh, that was followed by the one that you've got there, which is the the giant size one. Mm-hmm. Um, we then released a sci-fi version of each, so um, we've stuck with um, the two different sizes. So the uh, the big books are half the size of the one you've got, so they're A4. Um, they're basically the same size as a rule book. So they'll fold out to the same size as a single page as the, the one you've got there. Um, but they're very portable. And yeah, one of the things that we've started to do with the books, um, which I don't think I mentioned yet, is a lot of them have got modular design. So the entry exit areas are the same on different pages. So if you happen to have two books, you could have a graveyard that goes into a dungeon complex so you can link the books together if you want to. You, you can, yeah. Okay. And we did um, two sci-fi books, so giant size, big size. Um, and we did a Kickstarter earlier this year, which is for more modular books. Uh, that one was dungeon-themed, so it's slightly different. These ones are one-foot square books. Um, they're 40 designs per book, but they come in a two-book set. Mm, okay. The idea... The idea being that you can then lay the books out next to each other and either have a two-by-two square, 
a one by four sort of like a stretch or, you know, T shapes, S shapes, however you want to arrange the two books. And because all of the designs in those have specifically designed to be modular and compatible with the other designs in that book and its companion book, uh, it lets you lay out lots of different combinations of dungeon interiors. Nice. And I, I know with this calendar style, the, the spine on the book, it I think it makes it convenient because I could imagine if you had these all as separate sheets that they could get lost or misplaced easily. Um, but I wonder if there was thought to like releasing some of this stuff as just single sheets that people could, could buy or organize on their own or sell packages of sheets like that where they're not connected. Um, I've had a look into it before. It's a, it's a little less practical. Yeah. Um, just, just on the production side. Um, it, it's easier to get people to, yeah, you know, like factories that will produce that type of book than will give you lots of individual sheets. And it, it, it's partly down to if you've got the, yeah, you know, like that two book set, for example, that would be 80 individual pages. And, Packaging and sending 80 individual pages gets a lot trickier than two books. Right. I think for me, that would <laughs> I'd probably end up misplacing some of them. So it's nice that they're all connected. And it's just one thing I can pick up and put on the table and use rather than trying to keep track of where all the different pages might be. So that seems pretty convenient. Yeah, the, the book formats um, worked quite well, and it, it seems a good, portable, convenient, and yeah, uh, we, we can sort of expand on it with more books that fit and work with those books. So some of the other things that we did on that Kickstarter, we also um, added a, a little book, which is a, it's just half a foot square. Okay. Um, and that's just got, you know, end rooms, corridors, entranceways. And it's it's done so it's the same page count as the um, the books in the modular set, which is the the dungeon set, so that you can use it to link between the two books. So you could almost yeah, it's got a couple of different bridges and things in, or corridors. So you take a dungeon layout in one book, put the little book between it, and then stick the other book on the end. And it just lets you have some corridor sections and things, and even more variation in your dungeon. You know, as you are, are there tricks or, you know, different ways that you use these that might not be initially intuitive to other to other folks, other people running games? Like what are some of your shortcuts for using these maps uh, in in a campaign, in a session? Uh, I suppose one of the things that you can uh, mention is you're not limited to just the books. So, yeah, like if you had a normal play map, so you're yeah, like um, quite often – like big roll-up mats will be even bigger than you know, like even the uh, the largest of the books folded out. Mm -hmm. But you could work, you could use them in combination. So you could have a play mat going into like one of the book scenes. Sure. You know, um, so you know the books are modular; they can be used together. But everything's got the same one-inch grid, generally speaking. So. Yeah, or even if you have. Like I know some folks have dwarven forge pieces. You could even use that in conjunction with some of these some of these uh, pages or a combination of both. So that's a cool idea. 
Yeah, so essentially it's not exclusive. You know, you can <laughs> use whichever piece of terrain you want and combine them all however you like. What's been? I know I sometimes ask uh, folks this question when they when they have a product that's out. What's been some of the most rewarding feedback you've gotten from people that have already picked up uh, one or more of the books and are using them? Uh, well, we do quite a few um, of the sort of expos and shows in the UK. So we, we get first-hand feedback from people, okay, um, which is very good. We've, we've also um, been lucky enough, and we, we've won quite a few of the regional awards here. So we've got um, wonderful best ex- best accessory for the Big Burke. Um, we got two best accessories at like the, um, the largest UK show for the Giant Book. Uh, we got an any nomination on one of the sci-fi books. Uh, so, yeah, no, there, there, there's been good feedback um, on any review copies that we've had sent out. And, yeah, we have people, you know, <laughs> wandering over a hall when they see us. They've already got the product, but they just want to sort of stop and say how much they use it. That's awesome. Uh, have there been any pieces of surprising feedback that, that you've gotten, but either good or bad? <laughs> uh, the ones that I quite like is when people have, you know, because obviously I've, I've drawn – every picture in there yeah but some people's interpretations of what they are and what they could be is always fascinating oh really uh, there's okay. one there's there one very recently where i've got a there, there's a sewer style layout in uh, the giant book um but to someone's mind it looks much more like you know like an abandoned sort of like a rotting venice type um, landscape and it's <laughs> never thought of it when drawing it but it's it's a good point and it could very well work like that nice yeah, the, the art is, I think, um, it's very evocative. I think one of the things that I think would be useful about this book is really even if you're running a, a kind of a modular style campaign or certainly a sandbox, that you could page through this and it it generates ideas. You know, if you see a, a scene that you're like, oh, wow, I could use this. Here's what I could do with it. Um, because there's all different kinds of landscapes. There's lava and snow and desert and there's any number of things that can spark the imagination of how you could make things interesting for your group of players yeah absolutely and you know, we we tend to do the same here where you like a, a, we, we do a family game um whatever weekends we can and it'll tend to just be you know, like inspired by pages in the books and one of the other things on the whole design process for them is that they're kind of made with particularly D&D in mind. Yeah, it, it's the biggest in the market. So, you know, um, small, medium, large, huge base sizes that there's areas on certain maps which are designed for different size creatures and to make sure there's always space for a bit of maneuvering around. So there tends to be not too much in the way of just one square wide corridors or pathways and things. Just because otherwise all you'll ever end up with is the old conga line of a party. Right. And Yeah, pinch points are fine, but I think it's better if you can do a little bit of maneuvering. Yeah, and there's some rooms where, like, there's almost, to me, I look at it, it's like, oh, well, that obviously seems like a throne room or a room for a big, bad, evil thing where the the party would encounter that. Um, so there's some of those options, and there's other rooms that have a little bit more nooks and crannies to them. Um, so there's a good mix which I think is good for people running games out there. Yeah, totally. And 
with the sort of the more recent ones we've done, we've we've stuck very much on theme. So um, whereas the um, the giant book layer's got like a wide range of uh, different environments, the uh, the modular ones we've they're, they're being printed at the minute. I think they're almost any day now they'll uh, get onto a ship, but they're. Um, pretty much all dungeon based and the plan is um, next year we're going to do a set which is the sort of urban equivalent okay so streets and buildings and parks and you know gateways and things cool and the idea there as well is that wherever possible they will be compatible with the dungeon set so you know if there's a a market square with a building at the edge of it you could stick a room section from the dungeon set of books on the back of it and just go through and uh, they would uh, work as one unit nice very cool. You had mentioned something a couple minutes ago I thought was sort of interesting that I think D&D is such a, I don't know if leader is the right word, but it's certainly the kind of biggest tabletop role-playing game out there. And that it almost put, you have to design with that in mind since that's where most of the audience is. Um, I just wonder if I could pick your brain a little bit more about that. What's that been like, just having that realization and also tailoring content in that direction it's, it's been very interesting especially fifth edition it's been different i think since fifth edition came out it's uh, very much hit a zeitgeist yeah there, there's there's more dnd in the media you know like um cross social media it's coming up more and not just because they're the sort of groups i'm in it it's starting to sort of like get get more mainstream more popular which yeah it's about time yeah, we definitely see that here in the States. Uh, I know there's, it's been on some popular television shows over the years. Certainly the, the streaming angle of D&D where people watch other people playing D&D, which if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I would have been like, what? <laughs> and now that, that is its own market. I mean, that, that's something that's really blowing up. Um, and it sounds like that's happening uh, in your neck of the woods as well in the UK. Yeah, well, with globalization, I mean, most of the uh, the ones I listen to tend to be the uh, the big ones. I, I tend to listen as opposed to watch, just because it's easier to pop a podcast on. Sure. When uh, drawing something, you don't get as distracted. Um, but yeah, um, there's a couple of UK ones that I've um, had listened to, but yeah, um, it tends to be the big American ones. Yeah. But uh, production values and everything else. Yeah, it's an amazing world out there. It's I've talked to some of the streamers in the past, and uh, it's kind of like their full time gig at this point, and it's it's pretty fascinating where where the hobby has gone. If it wasn't, um, you know, D and D so much, I know you mentioned some of the other games you like. What are what are some of your favorites that, if you could, you'd like to you know create more content for that type of setting or environment? The, the content currently, it's, it's generic enough. Um, so sticking to the one-inch grid, that, that makes it compatible with D&D, &D, um, but also just about anything else. I, I don't think any of the systems particularly wed to what type of like hex or squares right. are on a battle map. Um, with, with our vinyl mats, um, we tended to do them um, with you know, like the option of no overlay, you know, one inch um, hex, one and a half inch hex, one inch grids, one and a half inch um, grids, and 90% of the time it's the one inch grid. It's <laughs> by far the most popular. Nice. So where uh, I know I've been, we talk, been talking about these for about a half hour or so now. 
if people are interested in them, they want to check them out, where where can they do that? So we're, we're in retail, um, definitely in Europe. Um, the U.S., we should have stock there in a month, maybe two months, that will then get to retail. Okay. So, you know, fingers crossed that's uh, in before Christmas, but they should start appearing in retail in the U.S. in about a month or two so, uh, for all of our existing launched books. Gaming stores and hobby stores, things like that? Yeah, yeah. So all the, all the normal places you'd find role-play type materials uh, are places that will be able to stock these. And are, uh, and is there a way to get them online if people wanted to order them directly from you? Uh, yes, so for us, if you just go for LokiBattleMats.com, so L-O-K-E for Loki, and then BattleMats, all as one word, uh, we have a shop there. Okay. And so uh, It's also available through lots of other retailers for the UK and Europe as well. Okay. And the one that, that I got sent is the giant book of BattleMats, 62 pages of BattleMats for tabletop role-playing games. Uh, it's it's an awesome product. I'm you know very happy that you uh, sent out one of these things for me. I definitely think it's going to get good use in uh, the groups I, think. I, I play in. Um, and I know from looking at your website that there's other other options as well. And it sounds like you're going to keep uh, making new content going forward. Yeah. So we, we've got a relatively uh, packed uh, schedule of it, really. So we've got. The current one, it's all designed and went to print about two months ago because the Kickstarter got larger than we'd expected. It's taken a, a bit longer to print. Uh, so that's for the modular dungeon books and the little book and the static clings. Um, we're designing the book that will probably be a Kickstarter next year for the urban sort of city-based um, modular set. Cool. Uh, I've got a... A bit of a catch-all, uh, which is modern cyberpunk post-apocalyptic uh, in one volume. So cyberpunk with bits that are a little less cyber and a bit more modern and some bits which are a bit more uh, apocalyptic. Okay. So for, you know, cyberpunk games, zombie games, modern-day sort of games. Nice. Uh, it's, it's the one we don't currently have. So it would fit in with the sci-fi bit. Some of the uh, things would fit with fantasy as well, and so you know, like there'll be some terrain bits in there. Uh, but that'll be in the uh, the big and giant format, so the, the portable and the uh, the double sized um, format. Awesome, and I imagine and, yeah. if you wanted to, you could combine <laughs> some of the cyberpunk stuff with any of the other books and make some really interesting <laughs> terrain layouts for your group. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, some of it, I'd imagine, may. Be compatible if you're doing, you know, like um, steampunk style things. Sure. Very cool. Well, I, I wish you all the best. Uh, it's it's a really, I think, a unique product. Uh, we're definitely going to be using it in, in our uh, games going forward. And uh, if people wanted to ask questions or maybe even reach out to you uh, with something specific, uh, do you have a social media presence or what, what, again, is the website they can contact you at? Yeah, so... So LokiBattleMats.com is the website. Okay. We've got a Twitter, we've got a Facebook, we've got all of the uh, the social media. 
Uh, I think they're all linked from that site. Okay. Uh, I think Battlematch UK is our Twitter. Okay, excellent. Well, I, I know we were talking about this before we started. Um, it's like two o'clock in the morning your time there. <laughs> it's in the evening for me yeah. in Minnesota. So thank you so much for uh, taking some time here in in the middle of the night your time. So I very much appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks. Well, have a great evening. Or morning, I should Thank say. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cheers.